Okay. It's an exceptionally beautiful piece. It's also a very daring piece. Piesetzna. And as with every piece that we're going to learn from this wonderful Sefer, it needs to be understood in historical context, who the Rebbe was speaking to and the time that the Rebbe was speaking to these Yidden. So this was the Rebbe Shabbat Shuvah Drasha. Shuvah Yisrael Ad Hashem Lekecha Kikashalta Ba'aveinecha Return Klal Yisrael all the way until Hashem Lekecha, meaning completely, because I have stumbled and sinned. Yerushalmi, find it in many places really in Chazal, speak about the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mekayim Kolatar Kula. If I'm not mistaken, in your footnote that you have in your handout, it's, he quotes exactly the source over there for the Yerushalmi, but you find it in other places also. In the Bavli, for example, you find this idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wears tefillin every single day. And Yerushalmi says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not like a Melech Basar Vadam, because a Melech Basar Vadam, a human being who's a king, <coughs> he creates these laws, but he's not necessarily bound by these laws. And so the king perhaps fills these, fulfills these laws, and perhaps he doesn't. And not so when it comes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the reason is, of course, because if HaKadosh Baruch Hu has these laws, then these laws are truth in their nature. And so it would not be philosophically, Chazal saw that it would not be philosophically possible for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to have a halacha in place that he himself is not bound by that halacha. Because it is the reality. It's a reflection of the reality. And so, of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, Kaviyachal, keeps all of these laws. But here the Rebbe makes a, a very daring move. And he says, gam tshuva. And so how does, uh, how does HaKadosh Baruch Hu fulfill the mitzvah of tshuva? When it comes to tefillin, so allegorically speaking, we could imagine, we could think to ourselves, okay, whatever tefillin means, in some sense, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyachu wears tefillin. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not do averas. And so if HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't do averas, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu never fulfills the mitzvah of tshuva. So in what way is it possible for HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself to be mekayim in the mitzvah of tshuva? And he says... And imagine speaking these words in the Warsaw Ghetto to these Yidden that were trapped there from the Nazis in Achshamam. He says, Kishashav min hara, shechas v'shalom, shalach l'amo Yisrael, oi amr l'asais, hu tshuvasoi kaviyachal. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, chas v'shalom, sends to the nation of Israel, or he says he's going to send to the nation of Israel, these terrible calamities, things that were befalling those Jews at that time. And that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't do that, yeah, when he does tshuva from that, that is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's tshuva. And here we're going to get a fundamental insight. Literally, what would that mean? That Hashem comforted. Right? Hashem comforted. Hashem comforted. Hashem comforted from the Ra that he said that he would do to Klal Yisrael. But here the Rebbe explains the nature of what it means to comfort. And perhaps 
in our own comforting, in our own lives, that which we do for others, that which we do for our children, that which we do for ourselves, this might be a fundamental insight into the nature of Nechama. What is the nature? What does it mean that HaKadosh Baruch Hu comforts? In a certain sense, the nature of comfort goes, goes directly together with charata, with regret, which is the beginning of tshuva. And what does that mean? What does it mean that comfort and regret have what to do with each other? So, when a person goes to, let's say, do the mitzvah of nicham avelam, come to somebody's house, and they just lost somebody very close to them. And let's say you came right away, second day of Shabbat, right? And in that place, you know that there's nothing that you could say. Right? There's nothing that anybody could say in such a moment to turn a person around. right? But one hopes that with the gentle words of Nechama inquiring about the Niftar, and even the mere presence that we have in that room, we hope to bring a comfort. So what, what is that comfort? Before this person passed away, the person had a worldview, right? The worldview that this person had was a healthy, abundant, joyous worldview. And when confronting death, especially the death of a loved one, what's, what's diminished is that notion that the world is an okay place, right? Like, like when a child goes through the terrible trauma of losing a parent, chas right? The child learned too early, at a very early age, that there's such a thing as knowing that my world could change in an instant. And the security and safety that children are meant to grow up with is all of a sudden out the window, right? The nechama that we hope to provide is a return to the factory settings. Right? It's like, can we go back to what was? And so when a person, you can imagine, a person is sitting shudah, we walk into the room, and we tell them in no uncertain terms, not in words necessarily, but in our mere presence, in the gentle presence of being. So what we give the person the gift is, is the gift of community and belonging. Right? And so when a person says, like, yes, this tragic thing happened that I can never unsee and never undo, and yet in that place of never being able to unsee it or never being able to undo it, I also know that I continue to be okay. And it restores what was. Right? And that's why people talk about, like, when I sat Shiva and that person came, right? There's always that like one person who just knows how to be at a Shiva call. People are very uncomfortable at Shiva calls. I remember when I went in when uh, my closest friend lost his mother and then lost his father. So I flew in to America when he lost his father to be there after Shiva. His father passed away on, on Pesach, so... The shiva was after Pesach, so I flew into America to be there for him after Pesach. And you know, people joke. People make jokes about these things. You know, like there was a, a person who had, a, also a very young person who had lost both of his parents. And so he came in and he's like, welcome to the club. And they're like, we're joking around that they're in like the two dead parents club. And like people are mortified, you know, like, oh my gosh, like, what are these people saying? But everyone has their own way of coping. And so you see people come in and out, and I was there for days. This is my closest friend. I was literally living in the house, so sleeping there. And, you know, you hear the same stories over and over again, right? If you, if you sit at a shiva for an hour, so you hear the stories once, right? But if you sit at the shiva for a couple of days, it's like you hear the same exact stories over and over again. So I remember that Avram Fried, the singer, came to pay a shiva call. And he has such an incredible presence about him. The presence that you see on stage from Avram Fried. It's authentically who he is. It's not a show. 
It's like he, that's the reality of his being. He's like a very like upstanding menschlich type of person, but he has a deep presence to him. Like when he's in a room, without with like total humility, he commands a tremendous amount of attention, not because of his stardom, but because of the way he holds himself. And whatever he said, it doesn't matter, but when he walked out of the Shiva house, the whole Shiva house felt completely different. It was like, things are going to be okay. You saw, you saw that, like, with my friend who was, like, like in that place of total, like, I have nobody in the world left who's going to take care of me. And it's like, like uh, you, could be, you could be old yourself. You could be in your 60s, and you have parents who are in their 90s. And, like, you're taking care of them, but still, the notion that there's somebody out there in the world whose whole chayas is to take care of you, right, when you lose that, it doesn't matter how old you are. It's like, there's nobody in the world who loves me in that way anymore. And when Avonfried left the Shiva house, I was like, now I know it'll be okay. It was just like a totally, it was like a, we restored the factory settings. We went back to what originally was. That was what he, it was the gift that he gave in that Shiva call. We all want to do that. It's just that often people are uncomfortable, and so they ask really foolish things, and makes the person even more uncomfortable. But that's the notion of Nechama, is a restoration, which shares the same essence as the notion of regret. Like what is regret, really, when we unpack regret? What does regret mean? I did something that I'm deeply not proud of. Right? Little, little children say that. They say, no regrets, right? It's like, a, it's like the call of like the teenage... Right, like that teenage world that I'm going to live on fire and I'm not going to regret anything and like adults are looking at them going oh you're definitely going to regret this right? <laughs> just, just, right? so, that's what they say yeah you only live once until you're like older and then you're like I really shouldn't have done that like, yeah. <laughs> they come to seminary and they have to like unburden themselves like now I'm starting to regret but it's, it's actually a sign of maturation right because there's a there's a factory setting that we have of innocence and when we regret something, what we mean is that we did something that we lost that sense of innocence. We lost that sense of purity that we have. Right? And everybody remembers like those first steps where we took those moves away from that purity of being. Right? The first time that we like had that fight with our spouse. Right? Like everything was good. We were living in that la la land of like just newly married and everything was like perfect. And then there's that first time that we like breach the boundaries of the purity of that institution. And it's like I can't believe I did that, because this means so much to me. But in the regret itself is something exceptionally beautiful. There's already a movement towards, not complete, but already a movement towards returning to that original sense of being that we had. So here, in a brilliant move, the PSS and the Rebbe is sharing with us, Vayinachim Hashem la'amo, is a sense, Vayinachim doesn't mean a level of comfort necessarily, it means in a certain way a level of regret. And he's interpreting it that HaKadosh Baruch regrets the Ra that he's brought to Klal Yisrael in a, in a daring way, and again I could never say this if the Piyasetz hadn't said it, but the Rebbe is saying that HaKadosh Baruch Hu regrets what he did and what he brought into the relationship with Klal Yisrael. And when you hear this, right, and he's going to continue this, but when you hear this, one can imagine what it must have been like in the Warsaw Ghetto, where they're about to get their Shabbat Shuvah and maybe they remember ten years earlier, before the Nazis came to power, and maybe they remember the fire and brimstone drashas that they used to get about their own Shuvah. And here the Rebbe starts off fundamentally the opposite way. He gets, it later on in the piece, he talks about their own Shuvah, but he starts off with, 
Hashem has to do tshuva. And so he brings it into a very real dimension of HaKadosh Baruch Hu regrets what he did too. That's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu was Makai in the mitzvah of tshuva. Of course, if, if the Piyasatana hadn't said it, nobody could say it. But of course, you know, there are certain tzaddikim that could say these things. And at that time, in order to bring a nechama to Klai Yisrael, right, that they also should be able to feel a certain sense of a yachas that perhaps they were missing to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Like, you want me to do tshuva? When, when my relatives, I'm getting messages that maybe they were shipped off to concentration camps and burned in crematoria. When, when, I, when I was kicked out of my beautiful apartment and now I know that Gaim are living there and I'm living over here in the squalor with no medicine, with nothing in my life. You're, you're really coming to me and saying that I should do tshuva? Where's HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Right? And, and here, the Rebbe is giving that voice, as we spoke about the last couple of shirim, that the Rebbe always encouraged Klal Yisrael to give voice to, who, to what was really going on and often shared with them that voice out loud so that they'd be able to access it within themselves. And he's saying, no, no, HaKadosh Baruch Hu also has to do tshuva and HaKadosh Baruch Hu also is mischarid. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, also regrets the things that he's doing and that this is not okay. It's very... um, yeah, I just, I've never heard this before. Of course not. Of course not. This, um, is, this is yeah. A, I uh, wow. Yeah. No, it's such a special. But I just, time. but I just don't understand. Like, I feel like everything I've always heard is like Hashem is perfect. Mm-hmm. Everything is how it's meant to be. Two things know? could be true, right? Two things could be true. Kadosh Baruch could be perfect, and it is exactly how it's meant to be. And it doesn't mean that for Kadosh Baruch it's not, it's not a move away from what He wants. Kaviach. What I mean to say is, there's the, there's of course the ultimate purpose, and that all things have a purpose, and that, that's of course true. But like any parent who's doing something that the child doesn't understand, doesn't appreciate, and is exceptionally painful in ways that are cosmic and beyond their understanding, of course it deeply pains the parent to be going in that way. Right? And so he's not saying, he's not saying that HaKadosh Baruch has charata in like the sense that you and I have charata. He says, kaviyach. And here means, right, when you and I have charata, it's like, I shouldn't have done that. Of course HaKadosh Baruch should have done that, because HaKadosh Baruch always does the thing that's perfect. And yet, there's also a sense of movement away from the yachas, the relationship that HaKadosh Baruch wants to have with Klai Yisrael. And that's, that's an uncomfortable feeling for HaKadosh Baruch to have kaviyach. And there's, there's a restoration of that yachas, which is the mitzvah of tshuva. This is the chiddush of what the PSF is saying. And yes, it's a massive, like I said in the beginning, this is an exceptionally daring piece. And I imagine very necessary for the psyche of Klal Yisrael at that time. And even more than that, I would say that it's necessary for the PSF to bring it into the world. And maybe it had to come into the world in that way. But it's also for every one of us who's going through anything in our life that's painful and difficult and I don't understand what's happening, right? Which is so much the modality of life. I don't understand what's happening is so much like where where we go when things make no sense, right? It's, I don't understand this relationship that I have with my spouse or, or with my own parents, even if I'm married with children. I don't understand what's going on in my own family and I don't understand I lost my job. Somebody came to me last week. I sat with somebody for, for a couple of hours. They lost their job. They were doing great. They lost their job. Like, you know, what in the world is going on? There's a sense of chaos and tumultuousness that happens in, in such a place, right? And we don't know what's going on. And there's a sense of like, Hashem, how could you do this to me? Right? And, and, it's, and knowing that HaKadosh Baruch is also uncomfortable with what's happening is, 
is something that's so important for us. And if it weren't for the Rebbe bringing it into the world in that place, in that time, who knows if we would have the language to be able to speak these things out. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think it's a, quite a beautiful idea. But let's say HaKadosh Baruch only does tshuva over the Ra that he's done, or the Ra that he says he's going to do. So that's not enough. Because even if HaKadosh Baruch says, okay, I'm going to stop, I won't do the next thing. But Okay, but the situation that I'm in is not okay. So I won't, I won't make it worse. But just not making it worse doesn't mean that it hasn't already happened. And if it's already happened, that means that there's a terrible pain that exists. Because only on the Ra that he said he was going to add on is HaKadosh Baruch regretting and doing tshuva from. But we're still in this place of smallness, just like we were before you brought the Saran. What does this mean? The Rebbe says, we're davening. Shuva Hashem doesn't mean what we always thought it meant, which was return yourself to us. Right? We're davening that Hashem should return to us. It's saying Shuva Hashem, Hashem should do Shuva. This is a daring read of the Pasukatilim. Shuva Hashem, Kaviachal, also Shuva Banu. Do Shuva with us. You know, we're calling out to Hashem that you should do Shuva with us. Ad Masai Vihinachem Alavadacha. How long? Will this continue to go on? Vihinachim, meaning regret, right? Vihinachim, like we said, is kaviyachal harata, alavadacha. Regret what you have done to your servants, Klal Yisrael. How long can we go on like this, Hashem? You have to do tshuva. Ad masay teikol ha-tshuva rak vihinachim alavadacha al haraos v'hatsaros shemitziram asonam. How long is your tshuva going to be just regret on the ra and the tsara that you've brought to Klal Yisrael? Where, okay, you'll regret the actions that you did, but Lamaisa, I still find myself in that small, constricted, painful place. HaKadosh Baruch if you want a tshuva shlema, right, we haven't had a tshuva shlema, if you want a tshuva shlema, tshuva shlema means it's not enough, Hashem, for you to regret what you did. It's not enough for you to regret on the things that you said you were going to do and then not do them. You have to do much more than that. You have to do a complete tshuva to the degree that you raise us up, that we're no longer in that broken state that we were. Because that's a full tshuva, Hashem. It's a very daring read. I'll tell you what came to mind for me when I was reading this piece. I remember years ago that uh, I was with Rav Weinberger at on the uh, on the roof of Yeshiva Rakota. There was a Fabrengen on the roof of Yeshiva Rakota. It's stunning view. I don't know if you've ever been up on the roof of a Shator or Rakota or the yeah. porch the porch of the Tevari. It's like uh, it's like stunning, right? I always like you go there and you're like looking and I gave a shear once in an apartment that was even higher than Yeshiva Rakota and you're looking over and it's like wow, right? And so I was expecting of Weinberger to say something beautiful like that and he had the exact opposite reaction. He was like, look at that thing that's on her bias. And, and he was so angry about it. And he was so broken by it. And I was like, 
I realized in that moment how absolutely desensitized I was to the fact that there's a giant mosque on the Makamah Mikdash. <laughs> and I'm so used to seeing the beauty of like Klaisar returning to the Kotel. The Kotel is a, a beautiful place, of course. I don't mean to chashon, diminish the Kotel. But it's a foundational wall. In other words, we should not be like children who are satisfied with the scraps of like... And, and this is what we're saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's like... It's not enough for you to just say, okay, I won't hurt you anymore. That's, that's not okay. Like, we demand the full tshuva from you. Raise us up, because the natural state of Klai Yisrael is not to be in this broken place. This Rav Kook speaks about this a lot. That the, we have become so, so ragil. What's the English word? Baruch Hashem, I'm losing my English. We've become so accustomed. There it is we've become so accustomed to being Gullish Jews that we think the natural state of things is that we should be behaving like we are small. That's not a net. There's a, there's a holy chutzpah that a Jew is supposed to have to know that we are the Amanivcha, which we're not saying makes us better, but certainly does make us have a unique relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a unique mission. And a Yid is supposed to send tall and proud and to say, no, I'm a Jew and I'm not going anywhere. The Lubavitcher Rebbe Zechitzah spoke about how in Crown Heights he didn't want the Hasidim to move when, when the neighborhood was changing. He said, no, no, we're here. And you stand up proudly and you wear your yarmulke and you wear your tzitzat and you don't cut your beard and you say, no, I'm a Jew. I'm not going anywhere. And, and how many, how many Yidin today are, are so afraid to say I'm a Jew? Walk with a certain... A certain pachet, certainly I felt it in America a couple of months ago when I was in America and anti-Semitism was on the rise. And left and right, you heard these mice. And it was the first time in my life I was in Teaneck. And I was like, I can't believe I'm afraid to be a Jew in Teaneck. But then I also checked in with myself. I was like, why am I afraid? This was gonna happen. Like, nothing's going to happen. But the, the world tells us to cower because you're a Jew. And this is exactly the opposite mentality that we're supposed to have. There's a, there's a sense of we're not supposed to be in a place of katnas. We're not supposed to be in a place of like shoved to the corner. And for us to stand up proudly and say to the world that we are a moral nation and that we have beliefs, right? Like, we could, I never want to ever be political about anything. It's certainly not the place for it. But we have an opportunity now in the world that we never had before with the state of Israel. We have the internet, we have a microphone to the entire world to say whatever we want. And is the message that we're sharing a uniquely Jewish message? Are we getting up to the world and saying, like, we have something big to say? We're not in the same place of Katnus that we were in the Warsaw Ghetto. And still we have a certain mentality of, like, we don't want to say anything that's going to offend anybody. Like, what? <laughs> well, like, they don't, you should know other nations of the world, they don't have this. They're very proud to get up and say, no, I'm, this is who I am, this is where I come from, this is my rich heritage. And by us, we're very, like... We don't want to say, we don't want to offend people. No, look, that is a, is a sense of dullness. I remember I gave this share once, and a boy said, Rebbe, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, we have a water filtration plant in Israel. That the technology is amazing. It could change the whole world. And I'm like, no, that's not, like, a water filtration plant is awesome. Baruch Hashem, we have a water filtration plant. But there is nothing uniquely Jewish about having a water filtration plant. It's about having having a government that gets up and, and, and a, and a, and a Klal Yisrael that gets up and says, this is what we believe in and this is what we stand for and we're not embarrassed to say that. You should know our cousins are not embarrassed to say that. All over the Middle East, they say whatever they want, they do whatever they want and the whole Western society goes oh, backwards. You think they care when Kiyuzah? They don't care at all. It's a sense of, it's a, it's a gullist mentality that we have and we're saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you want to do a Tshuva Shlema, 
we need to restore us to the original place of pride that we're supposed to have among the nations. This is a very big idea. And now, after the Rebbe has said this very beautiful and daring idea, now he starts to talk to them about their responsibility. And just in terms of our own chinuch, right? How the Rebbe did not run to tell them what their job was. He first gave them a sense of comfort that this was a place that they should feel safe. And then he said, not the Musr, but then he said the thing that maybe was a little bit more difficult to hear. And as we'll see, maybe exceptionally difficult to hear. Right? But he did it in a very intelligent way. And, and not only the way that we mechanech our children, I would also just remind us the way that we mechanech ourselves, right? That inner voice of cruelty that sometimes many of us have that speaks with no compassion and right away gets to the guts and tells us exactly what a piece of garbage we are. This is also not a mahalach. This is a, nobody hates themselves into change. Right? Our own voice of safety should come first. Okay, just a little, uh, whatever it is, that's a little something, yeah? And we also need to do tshuva like HaKadosh Baruch Hu does. When a yid goes ahead and he does tshuva, because he did an Avera, which is of course the most limited view of what tshuva is. Tshuva is not a response to an Avera, right? That's Arisa uh, Tshuva 101. That tshuva is not a response to an Avera. Tshuva is a worldview. And if a person, let's say, does an Avera, so one of the three levushim of expressing ourselves, as nishar shuv hakodem, So I did an Avera, I don't want to do that in Avera anymore. That's, that's, uh, it's not, it's not, not, of course it's meaningful, it's not, not meaningful. But that's a very primary, very basic, very low-level form of tshuva. That's the way a child would do tshuva. I did a bad thing, I'm not going to do a bad thing anymore. From an adult, we would expect significantly more than that. From an adult, we would say, what, what brought me here? How can this place that I am create fundamental change in my life? How can it bring me to a place that I've never experienced about myself before? These are the questions that an adult would ask themselves. They would use the Yerida to become a jumping point to fundamentally change who they are. And this is not only, like the Alter Rebbe said in, in, when they asked him what was the purpose of Hasidus, this is not only Lishana Esmi Daisov, right? it's not only to change our actions, but Lishana es Tivaisav, that a person, that, the Alter Rebbe said, that a person can fundamentally change their character. And that an Avera is an opportunity for a person to take a deep look inside of themselves and fundamentally change the person that they are. So when a person only does tshuva from the Avera, it's like, it's, it's childish. It's like your teacher told you don't do that anymore. So now I'm a good boy or a good girl and I don't do that anymore. But that's not... That's, that's, uh, that's like what we would expect from a 10-year-old. That's not what we would expect from a 30-year-old or a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old. He says, So you're not any more of a growth-oriented person because you did tshuva on this particular Aveir. It's just, okay, now this Aveir you won't do. The main thing of tshuva is that Klal Yisrael should return Ad. What does Ad mean? It means all the way back to Hashem Elokecha. All the way back doesn't mean I'm not going to do that Avera. That's very childish. It means I'm going to return and restore those original factory settings to get all the way back to the very beginning. This is why it, the Pasuk needs to tell us this. Because we say we stumbled and we sinned. A person could think 
bilvad. A person could think it's good enough, right? Like we said, like that's shuvah yisrael adashem lekecha. Why does that say shuvah yisrael adashem lekecha? Because I stumbled and I sinned, so now I won't do that anymore. No, no, no. Shuvah yisrael adashem lekecha demands much more that I'm just not doing the Aveira anymore. Just like the same way we said about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that it's not enough for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to say, I'm not going to bring Ra anymore. Or I'm not going to do the thing that I said I was going to do. That's like removing the Aveira. We demand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he does much more than that. We demand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he goes all the way. And he says, I'm going to restore you to the position that you are meant to be in. Right? Sabenu babayker chastecha. I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to give you complete. You're going to be. You're going to be satisfied. You're going to have. You're going to be satisfied in the morning. You feel a sense of, of belonging and identity, and that's who we're supposed to be. The same thing, the Rebbe says. You have to do that also. It's not enough for you to say, "I'm not going to do this Aveir anymore." Hakadosh Baruch Hu demands of you that you also return to your original factory settings, and that you also are leading an elevated life and a life of kedusha v'tara. And that there's a sense of innocence, not because you're not doing the Avera, but because you feel good and positive about what you're bringing into the relationship. That a person should be elevated. A person should be serving Hashem from that place. Here the Rebbe says something unbelievable. Mishnah Sof Yuma Sof Mesechus Yuma Amr Vakiva we all know the Mishnah. It's a very famous song, right? Sing it on Simchas Torah. Yisrael, how lucky is Klal Yisrael? Praiseworthy is Klal Yisrael because Lifnei Miat Mitarim. Who are in front of? Who are we? Tower and who is Mitaras? Avichem Shabashamayim. Kibusvar Makadosh. Kibusavar Makadosh. Arve Nachal. Parshas Masi. Arve Nachal brings maybe B'shem Chuas Mayran. He brings from the Marami Rottenberg. Shekabbalah Ishmi Pish. He had a tradition passed down from one person to another. Shenerev al Kedushas Hashem Yisbarach in Omargish Isurim Kla. That a Jew who's dying al Kiddush Hashem does not feel any pain. Imagine what it was like to say this in the Warsaw Ghetto. Knowing that their cousins were walking into the crematorium being burned and cooked alive. And that he's saying that those Jews that were makabal on themselves to die al Kiddush Hashem, in those moments they felt no pain. Like Rav Akiva felt no pain when he was being tortured by the Romans, and no pain. This was the Kabbalah that he had from the Maram Mirambar. I can't imagine, I'm, I mean, I, can ima- I imagine in my head that when the, when the Rebbe was saying these things to the Hasidim in the Warsaw Ghetto, I imagine as he was saying, you could hear a pin drop, and the place was like, like are you saying this to us right now? Like, I can't imagine what it was like to be there. And Arvi Nachal explains, what is this idea that when a person dies on Kiddush Hashem, that they feel no pain? When a person is burning, when they have that, that holy fire, and they have this unbelievable desire, this Cheshek Nimratz, that they should have the opportunity to die and be Marbek Shamayim in the world. Their death should be not not purposeful, like, to die al-Kiddush Hashem doesn't mean like, like Martin Luther King Jr. That's not what it means to die al-Kiddush Hashem. If Martin Luther King Jr. would have known what his death would do for the civil rights movement, he gladly would have died. Such, such a dying is a logical dying. It makes sense to die for a cause. That's not what it means to die al-Kiddush Hashem. 
What it means to die al Kiddush Hashem is that the Jewish soul has no choice but to express itself. Like in a moment when a person puts a gun to your head and says, Do I have a Right? It may logically make more sense for you to stay alive. But the Jewish soul, upon threat of being extinguished in that moment, is excited for the opportunity to express its identity. It's not logical. It's not to advance a cause. It might be illogical. It's certainly super-rational, right? It's not within the gather of logic. So when such a person is in such a state, and they have the opportunity, this, this we'll see soon, this is where, how the way of Akiva lived his entire life. When a person has the opportunity to express their very nature, right, there's so much cheshek in there, that a person is no longer bound by their normal kalim. Right? They're, no, they're, they're no longer contained within the regular ma'arechet that a person is normally contained within. Humala es kol Everything becomes elevated. El oilam ha-machshava. You're no longer... The reason you don't feel pain is because you're not in the world of pain anymore. You're in the world of machshava. Machshava is within the physical world, but you can't touch it, right? You can't measure a thought. You can measure a brainwave, but you can't measure a thought. Right? Thought is not within... It's within the realm of the physical, but it's the barest level of physical, right? And in the, in the order, it's machshava and then emotion, right? Because emotion, we feel it physically, even though the emotion also can't be measured, right? But we feel it physically. And then there's the world of action. But in the world of machshava, which is the highest level thing, and still be in this world, there's no such thing as pain in the world of machshava. A person's gone beyond the world of pain. It's like you, like you see like, like a parent who would, who would save their child, even if it meant their own death, right? Like... There would almost be like you could imagine, like almost a smile on that mother's lips as she had the opportunity, because she's she's not holding in the pain of the thing that took her life, because the thing that she did is so much bigger than the pain. Right? So you're not bogged down by the pain. But we're only bogged down by the pain to the degree that we're present within the world in which the pain is occurring. But when a person is living on that level, that they're I'm, I'm dying al kiddush Hashem. This is the expression of me. It's like. Imagine if Chas you lost the opportunity to be you, right? Whatever is ikroni for you. I don't want to give any examples. I don't want to Chas hurt anybody or say anything. But let's say there's something that's core to your identity. And in a very painful place, it was taken away from you. Or maybe you didn't have the opportunity to express it. The pain would be exceptionally difficult, right? Like, how could I be me without that, right? Here it's exactly the opposite. It's This is the ultimate expression of me. I'm not bound by Kalim anymore, so I'm not in the world of pain. I'm in the world of Machshava. So my entire Chushim are in the world of Machshava. I'm not, I'm not concentrating on the physical pain that I'm experiencing because I'm not even there. So what happens? There's a total surrender of all of the emotion and all of the physical feeling in his Gashmiya's body. Everything is Nispashit. Everything is dissolved. And therefore, the only thing that a person feels, and this is the Kabbalah that he had, Ishmi Piyish, that the Arvi Nachal is bringing from the Rami Rambuk, that the only thing that a person feels when they're dying al Kiddush Hashem is a complete sense of pleasure. They're not holding within that pain at all. And here the Rebbe says, This is true not only of, not only of the person dying al Kiddush Hashem, but it's true on every single level from all of the pain that any Jew feels. It's difficult to feel pain, no? It's difficult to go through difficult things. But Hashem should have mercy on us and remove this pain from us. Or 
But let's say a person would use the pain as an opportunity and they would, they would calibrate their thinking and they would say to themselves, and it's, again, it's so impossible for me to believe that the Rebbe was able to say this to those Hasidim, to those Jews that were listening to him at that time. I have, even as I read the words, I was like, would I have had the guts, would I have had the courage to say what the Rebbe said? Absolutely not. But this is what he said. He said, when a Jew is standing there in that pain, and he's able to inculcate into his thoughts that this is all so that I am cleansed of my chatan. It's a purification process so that I should be able to draw close to Hashem. I mean, like, but that, that's really the, the side of everything, by the way, right? Because if we want to have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like the Ramchal says, a person has to have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu on three levels, mitzvot, tshuva, and yisurin, right? The first level is introducing Hashem into our mitzvot, which is not simple at all, because right? we all know that we do mitzvot without thinking about Hashem on any level. And the second level is, I did an Aveira. Can I introduce Hashem into my Aveiras? Which is also not a simple thing. But that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to be honest and to say, this is what I did. This, by the way, isn't that what we all want? It's what we want from our children. It's what we want from our spouses. It's what we want to be able to do with another. We want to be able to go to our spouse and say, I did something that I'm really not proud of. And I did it to you. And I want to be able to share it here, and I want you to be able to contain it, and to be able to see it for what it is, and be in a healthy way detached, right? And not to take it personally, so that I can be myself with you in my totality, even in the things that I'm really not proud of. And for you to give me the space to be able to return to you. That would be an unbelievable gift in all of our relationships. This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us too. But the deepest dimension, is Yesurim. Can you introduce HaKadosh Baruch Hu into your pain? And what does that mean? How does, how does a Jew find, find God within his own suffering, within her own suffering? How does a, God, how does a Jew do that? Nirmachal says this spells out matai, right? Mitzvot, tshuva, and yusurit. Like ad masai, when will Mashiach come? When we introduce HaKadosh Baruch Hu into all dimensions of our relationship. So when we're able to understand that the nature of suffering is actually HaKadosh Baruch Hu drawing close. And, and I have no idea what to do with that. I'm just telling you this is what the Rebbe said, but that a Jew should be able to be in that place and to feel so pushed away and to feel all the pain and loss and suffering and all of those things and to be able to say, and yet all of this is in order to draw me close. And there's that level of amuna that a Jew has and that a Jew has had throughout history, that when we undergo this unbelievable suffering, we're loyal to HaKadosh Baruch because we're able to say, I'm here and, I'm, and, I'm, and I understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu is is not pushing me away. Adarabi, he's bringing me close. But there's a painful process that we go through as, we, as, we're, as we're becoming less and less accustomed to our physical body because the physical body is under so much pain. I know that all of this is a tahara process. As to the degree that a Jew is able to really inculcate this machshava into themselves, he says, to the degree that you understand this, to the degree you, that's, you're not suffering anymore. So everything that's terrible that's happening around you, if you could focus your mind and your energy and train yourself to realize this is part of the process of tahara, he says, then you're not suffering. That's, that's, that's the, uh, the famous line, right? Pain is inevitable, but suffering doesn't have to be. Right? I could be in terrible pain, but I'm not suffering. Suffering is that I have no idea why this is happening. Right? It's like... Uh, I'm not a person who likes to go to the gym and lift heavy things. 
You see that some men they like they like to do this. They like schmack from doing it. I tried to be that person for a little bit. There's, I'm just it's not me. And and you and they're and they're suff- they're they're really in pain and they're screaming right and it hurts right, and yet none of them are suffering. Why? Because they, they have a clear understanding of why I'm doing this. So they're not suffering. They're in pain. And other of you ask them, aren't you in pain? They go, no pain, no gain, right? And they say that, that very manly, like, you got to feel the burn, Rabbi, you know? Like, you know, like, I'm like, okay, calm down, 18-year-old with a massive amount of testosterone. I can't, talk, I, can't, I can't talk to this human being right now, you know? Like, let's get you back in the base measures, calm you down. You know? We'll put a safer in front of us, and then we'll have a conversation about anything but the safer, you know? Like, that's my, that's my territory, right? But they're not, they're not holding by pain. I am saying they're not holding by suffering. They're holding by pain. I, I can't imagine. I've only, I've only seen it from the outside. But I imagine when a person is going through childbirth, it's something exceptionally similar. The pain must be unbelievable, and, and I don't think anybody would describe it as suffering. And and this is what the, this is what the Rebbe is saying to them. He's saying to them, he's, <laughs> I, maybe, maybe, maybe I overstepped my boundaries here. Pain, painful. I'm not. I'm not chashshon minimizing the pain. I understand. I don't understand. I know that I don't understand. Okay, a person has to be very careful when they speak about this. <laughs> to the degree that we understand something, we're able to be soivel, we're able to contain it. Not only this, and here's the big punchline, we know that whenever there's something that happens down below in our world, it creates a hisairus, an awakening up above. And so the Rebbe says, We're working so hard to, to, to attach ourselves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to inculcate this idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu with all of these difficulties is really just trying to draw us close. And it's so much so that to the degree that we're not even feeling this pain anymore. Our hargoshos, the of pain, we're not even paying attention to it anymore. Because it's not where I'm holding mentally, so I'm not worried about the physical pain. It's not where I am. Then that awakens in HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he does the same exact thing. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu also has an awakening from within. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu also feels a sense of, like, kaviyachal, that I don't, I don't want to feel the thing that I'm feeling right now towards Klal Yisrael. Like... Like like a like a parent who's who's upset at their child, and then they see that the child is just drawing close to them, and it's not paying attention to anything else. I just want to be close to you. It it awakens a feeling in the parent that I also don't want to pay attention to the feeling that I'm having. I want to rise above kaviyacho, the feeling that I'm having, and return to you. So, we started off. The Rebbe started off by saying that Akadosh Baruch has to do a full tshuva and be mischaried over what he did and return us to the original state that we're supposed to be in, which is this elevated state. And then the Rebbe comes along and he says, but you also have to do that. You also have to go to an elevated state. It can't just be an aziva sachet. And then the Rebbe says that there's such a thing as a Jew getting to a state of complete tainuk, that when all the pain is going on in their life, not only are they not suffering, but other Rebbe, they're not even, they're not mash of the physical. There's a total hispatless of the physical. And now the Rebbe is saying, and if you'll do that, not just if you're dying, Hashem, but here in the Warsaw Ghetto, where you're thrown out of your apartment, you don't know where your next meal is coming from, you have no medicine, you're seeing your children crying. If you'll become a person who in such a state recognizes that this is all a drawing close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to the degree that you're not thinking about all the pain that's going on, all there is is the pleasure of being drawn close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then that awakens in HaKadosh Baruch Hu the same midah. And this is what's going to bring the Yeshua, he says. So now all of a sudden, all the, all the anger that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, it's totally rectified, it totally dissipates, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is rising above the same way we're rising above. 
And this is the Yeshua in all Inyanim. The salvation comes from leaning into the pain that we have, rising above that pain, and awakens in HaKadosh Baruch Hu that He too rises above His pain with us. And this is Pael Yeshua's. This is how we're going to leave. And when Rav Akiva was being tortured by the Romans, and he died al Kiddush Hashem, as we know. What does the Gemara say? Let's just review the Gemara outside for a second. What does the Gemara say? The Gemara tells us that Rav Akiva was having his flesh combed off by the Romans, and he was saying Kriyashma. And the Talmidim said to him, Rebbe, even now? Even now you're saying Kriyashma. And he said, what do you mean? Every single day when I'm saying Kriyashma, says, I say, Bechol Nashcha. Even if HaKadosh Baruch will take my life. Right? But I don't do it. Right? I, I, don't, uh, I don't die. Now that I have the opportunity to die, Al-Kiddush Hashem, I shouldn't say Kriyashma. And with that, he said, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Alkeinu, Hashem Echad. He was Meirech Be'echad. He extended Echad. If you ever see, sometimes you'll see in Davening, you'll see certain people that they go, Echad. Right? And Meirech Be'echad. That comes from Rav Kiva. Right? There's an elongation of the word Echad. This is how Rav Akiva passed away. Agav, just before we get back to the PSS, and I must share this vart with you because it's one of the most stunning, beautiful vartlach in my entire life that I've ever heard. I believe it's from the Ruzhna Rebbe. He says as follows. What does this whole idea mean? Rav Akiva, every day, when he would say, Kriyashma, Filo Natos, Nashma Secha, what's going on here? So the Ruzhna Rebbe says, really, when you do a mitzvah, the mitzvah should kill you. You do a mitzvah with proper dvekas, the connection between you and HaKadosh Baruch was so great that your body should simply disappear. Your soul should just float out of your body, like what happened to Klal Yisrael by Arsina. So why doesn't it? Because the Pasuk says, V'chai bahem. V'chai bahem means, and you shall live by them. Right? Meaning, B'darach Klal, if somebody puts a gun to your head and says that you should die, no, you're supposed to do the Aveira. So the original Rebbe interprets it. He says, V'chai bahem means the mitzvah gives you chayas. The mitzvah gives you life. So a mitzvah really should kill you. But it doesn't kill you, paradoxically, why? Because the mitzvah itself gives you life. The mitzvah that should kill you gives you life. When do you not have that? If you have to die, I'll kiddush Hashem. So this is what Rabbi Kiva was saying. The Talmudin came to him and said, Rabbi, you're saying Kriyashma now? He goes, well, every day when I say Kriyashma, I'm ready to die. Meaning the nature of my dvekas to Hashem is so profound and so powerful that it's almost impossible to conceive of life. I should die. But because the Pasuk says, V'chai bahem, Kriyashma gives me life. But now that there's no V'chai bahem because I'm dying, I'll kiddush Hashem, the mitzvah could finally kill me. So Rav Akiva says, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. He was Meirech Be'echad, means he attaches himself to the oneness of Hashem. And then he dies. Says the Rishon Rebbe, who killed Rav Akiva? We're growing up, we all know who killed Rav Akiva. The Romans killed Rav Akiva. It's not true. Kriyashma killed Rav Akiva. Meaning the dveikas that he had from saying Kriyashma, with no v'chai bahem, He simply, his soul left his body. That's the, a deeper understanding of what's going on in this Gemara. But here the Rebbe says beautifully, he says, this is why Rav Akiva said Ashrechem Yisrael. Ashrechem Yisrael lifnei mi'atam etarim and mi'atam eschem avichem shabash amayim. Why? Kesha'atim zoichrim lifnei mi'atam etarim because if you will know in that state of Yisurim, if you'll know from that place of pain that who is being metair you, who's drawing you close, all this suffering that you're going through is really a purification process, you'll know it's from Hashem. And now you'll get to the point because you'll remember all of this is Hashem, all of this is Hashem, all of this is a process of being drawn close, so that you're not paying attention to the pain anymore. 
v'oidzois, and not only do you not pay attention to the pain, sh'atem gormim sh'mishem etares tamavichem shabashamayim. It gets to the point where you're goyrim the Yeshua. You're bringing about the Yeshua. Why? Because it's avichem shabashamayim. Avichem bafta. It's specifically the father. Why? Ke'av shemavatlas kasa l'tovas b'nav. It's like a father who's like, this is my child, and I see that my child just wants to be close to me. How am I going to be angry at that? So, the hour drawing close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and recognizing HaKadosh Baruch Hu from within the pain is exactly what awakens in HaKadosh Baruch Hu the desire not to give us any pain. And now HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do this for us. And all of the terrible decrees that have been brought against Klai Yisrael will be nullified. And then we will have a Yeshua. And this is why Rav Akiva said, Asherichem Yisrael. So what an unbelievable message of hope, right? Asherichem Yisrael. Don't worry, all of this is good. All of this is good. Can't imagine what it was like to hear this drasha, no? And one could only imagine if, if, if the Piyasetzna would have been able to live for just a couple of years, what he might have seen, right? Okay, we'll stop here. Thank you so much.